0: Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Palmetto Guardian. I'm Sergeant Chelsea Weaver. And I'm Sergeant Tim Andrews. And today we have um, some guests with us. I'm going to let them introduce themselves.
1: Hey, everybody. I'm Lisa Mustard. I am one of the psychological health uh, coordinators, behavioral health specialists here with the Guard. Um, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'm just grateful to be here. Thanks for having us. Me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And good morning, everybody. My name is Reese Palmer. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist here in South Carolina as well. And thank you guys for having me on today. Appreciate
0: it. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to come and talk to us. Um, and we're excited to talk about what today's topic is. Yeah. So if you want to just jump right in. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, I, um, you know, I've talked to a lot of soldiers and families about all kinds of things and um, a lot of the time I find myself referring outside of the guard resources. And when it comes to marriage issues, marriage problems, family issues, um, I have a list of folks that I like to, you know, to give people, and then they can choose as to which uh, practitioner or um, agency or whoever they would like to go work with. Mm-hmm. And Reese is just one of those, excuse me, on the list that I refer to. Uh, well, I put his name and his contact information on a sheet. So I was excited to have him come and talk about um how to solve the core problem to all your marriage issues, which I think is a tall order, but yeah. I think that you can handle it. Cause you, this no is pressure. like, this is like, I know this is like his wheelhouse. So, mm-hmm. um, could you just tell folks a little bit more about sure. like who you are, your training, yeah, how sure. you got here and all that stuff.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, um, as I said before, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, um, going on 22 years now. Oh,
1: wow.
2: And so, uh, I, I do have a practice here with my wife here in South Carolina. And, um, I have been working exclusively with couples probably the last uh, several years. Um, but over my career, I've worked with children and adolescents and I've done individual work and uh, group work and, and uh, love working with families, obviously, because of, of my training. Um, so marriage and family therapy um, is, is really uh, an approach, right, mm-hmm. to doing uh, the work, doing therapy and it's it's really based on uh, this idea that families are a system, and each of us are a part of our family system, and we're we're very um, significantly influenced by our family systems. You know, so when I start to look at relationships and family dynamics, and even when, you know when I do occasional uh, individual work, I always do a lot of assessing around the family dynamics and, and with those relationships and attachment you know, um, relationships look like, uh, for that person or for the couple. Um, so as I really started to, to kind of really want to, um, kind of hone in and, and niche one particular area, I started really thinking about where I really enjoy the work the most. And some of my therapist colleagues think I'm crazy, but I really, <laughs> really enjoy working with couples. Um, most therapists who are not trained in working with <laughs> couples run for the hills when you you know you talk about doing couples work, but I love it I yeah. really really enjoy it and the um, the approach that I use I'm trained in a lot of different um, evidence based practices that you know are are you know research proven to be effective with certain populations and certain presenting issues and so um, so I started to look at you know what's out there that really works well with couples. And I wanted something that was also consistent with my, my values and my faith as a Christian. And I found um, Emotionally Focused Couples Therapy, or EFT for short. And um, because I'm an MFT and it's based in you know, family systems and structural therapy, it was just like a, a home run for me. And so I've been using it ever since. And it's been extremely, extremely successful yeah. with the couples that I've been working
0: with.
1: It's by yeah. far, I think, the best You know, he and I are like, I'm fans of this treatment as well. And most people watching are probably like, what in the world does that mean? Can you, could you kind of break it down as to um, what that looks like? Like, you know, just kind of tell us a little bit.
2: Yeah. So as I said, um, EFT is really rooted, the approach is rooted in attachment theory. Um, So if anyone's, you know, listening, that's taken like a basic psych 101 course or something like that, you've probably heard about attachment theory. And uh, John Bowlby was the initial psychologist, um, you know, who did a lot of research and study into children and their attachment to their parents. Um, I think what started it out for him was really trying to understand the what we know now as separation anxiety mm-hmm. and why children would have such a distressed response when they're separated from their children. So he really wanted to understand that. And so that just evolved into this broader, you know, theoretical um you know, understanding of how important that emotional bond is between a child and that significant um, attachment um, figure, whether it's mom or dad or grandparents or whoever it is that's, you know, primarily responsible for providing the children or the child's care. And um, so after um, really understanding that for for a long time, how how, the, how important that is to a child's Development, you know, emotionally and socially, and even physically, you know, and cognitively, that that bond is so important. That attachment. Um, there wasn't a lot of research initially until about thirty years ago, when Sue Johnson, Dr. Sue Johnson, and, and some of her colleagues really started to study attachment mm-hmm. in adults yeah. and how important that is for us throughout the lifespan and how significant that is in the role that it plays and we're selecting a partner. Right. you know. And so a lot of people think it's just sort of the superficial, you know, physical things, but a lot of times we're attracted to a certain person due to uh, an attachment style that yeah. we have or some things from our childhood that, you know, that come out and we select a partner really subconsciously a lot of times. Yeah. So I found it fascinating. And so I, I continue to find that it is it's, it's super effective yeah. with the couples that I work with
1: it really is effective mm-hmm. and it's it's phenomenal like what can come out of it so I'm yeah. so glad that do you guys have questions about it does it does that make sense
0: mm-hmm. I think the old uh, sub, I've been listening to uh, psychologists and when they talk about subconscious and yeah and conscious and stuff like that and it, it's a uh, something I never would have thought about until sure. you like you watch human behavior and stuff like that and so things yeah. things kind of click. You're like, okay, this makes more sense. But sure. Yeah. Um. No, I just
2: find it really interesting. Yeah, it really it is fascinating.
1: <laughs> I'm looking over here at Sergeant Weaver because she's a newlywed,
0: so I'm ah. what, I'm like, what are you? No thinking? wonder she's so quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what are you thinking? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, obviously, because your life, things that happen in the past, kind of groom you into what you are as an adult, and whether it's good or bad behaviors that you want to stray away from or that are good behaviors or whatever. So I think it's very interesting, um, especially for the relationship aspect, because before you said that, I would have never thought that subconsciously you're choosing your significant others based off of whatever uh, things you dealt with or gone through in your childhood, which is crazy. You don't think about that.
2: Absolutely. And I think that that's why a lot of couples get stuck. And their, right. their relationships, a lot of times it's they're they're not really aware of right. sort of these subs, subconscious mm-hmm. triggers and things that are going on. And so um, a lot of times they'll just kind of get stuck in these repetitive patterns and they're, you know, we call them negative cycles and they just keep repeating them over and over again and having this the never ending argument, right? It just keeps coming up and they never really, really resolve it. And they just struggle and it yeah. because, causes so much distress and hopelessness because they don't really understand what's right. happening. Because a lot of it is happening at the oh, subconscious yeah. level. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: And I can, I mean, I can attest to my own marriage in my own yeah. life. You know, when I met Billy, um, he's completely opposite than my <laughs> my dad. Completely opposite. And yeah. I—and knowing what I know now, it all makes sense. Yeah. And the... And the um, we don't have the arguments or I don't get so emotionally reactive anymore because I understand my stuff and right. I understand my attachment issue right, right, with right. my dad so much better now. Mm. But in the beginning, I would get all I would get angry at him, but mm. I wasn't angry at him. Mm. I was angry at my dad. Right. You know, so it, it definitely can like play out. You yeah. know, it would play out in our arguments.
2: Absolutely. And it
1: was, it was pretty wild once you start to understand the negative. You call it negative cycle. Negative cycle. Mm-hmm. And you start to take, take a look at it. And not just emotionally react all the time, but actually like break it down right. with the help of a third party <laughs> if you need it. Um, yeah. It's it's so healing, yeah. you know. It really, really is. So absolutely.
2: And 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 what happens is that you know a lot of that, as as you kind mm-hmm. of alluded to, um, Lisa, is, is is sort of some unfinished business oh, yeah. from childhood. Oh, with, I had a lot. With you know, yeah. uh, oftentimes the you know the opposite sex parent, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> right? So for for guys, a lot of mm-hmm. times it's with mother issues, as sure. we like to call it, or, or daddy issues. Right. But there's a lot of, you know, truth to that in yeah. our sciences. And, and if we don't have those, if we have these unresolved issues, yeah. right, whether we didn't feel like they were attentive enough or maybe they were very critical and very invalidating, you know, those are the things that come out in our relationship, yeah. right? So when you're single and you're not really committed and there's not sort of this really vulnerable place, mm-hmm. You won't see it, you right. know. So that's why a lot of people when they get married and all these things start to go like, what the heck? Who did I right. marry? Right? right. <laughs> right. So, because right. all of that comes out yeah. in the context of that relationship. Right. It's yeah. fascinating. It really mm-hmm. is. It really like,
1: is. I totally am fascinated by this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. I mean.
0: Yeah. yeah. So how can, with you saying that, how can people uh, learn to recognize those things? Sure. Without, like, some people don't like therapy and all that kind of stuff, but for people to, from here on out, start um, or I guess what advice would you give them to, so that they can start looking at things in that perspective versus like reacting to right. something? Like sure. how do you differentiate the two different things? If that makes sense. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think that, um, it's, it's really hard, um, to, uh, to really understand some of these things that are going on unless you're, um, you know, really working at being a self-aware person and just sort of paying attention to what triggers you, what kind of creates this anxiety in you or frustration. And I think the key is just really being curious about yourself. I like sometimes I think we just we kind of do stuff and right. it's sort of who we are, but we really don't stop and think about, you know, right. why certain things either irk us or get under our skin or why we have certain pet peeves. Or, right. And I think that that's part of the challenge is that sometimes we're just not curious yeah. enough. But I think the other piece to answer your question that helps a lot, this is why, you know, having a partner and and hopefully a safe relationship, they will reflect and mirror things to you that you won't necessarily see in yourself. That's why some of it, you know, is like I said, you're unaware and you don't really become aware of it until you're in the context of a dyad. And the person who's living with you every day sees things that oftentimes are a blind spot for yourself. And so if you can really get to a place where you can trust and feel safe with your partner, and this, this requires some work as well, not being defensive, right. if they bring things to your attention, you just really honestly may not be aware of, A, that you're doing it, or B, where it even comes from. Right. You know, but being gentle with yourself, being curious, mm-hmm. and being open to your partner's feedback
1: yeah. is helpful. Yeah. yeah. And I you know a lot of couples will say, well, I don't feel safe. And that's a whole other issue in itself. So this type of work isn't probably the best for people who are in a, you know, abusive relationship or feel like they're in a threatened environment. Mm -hmm. Um, So we just want to caution people, you know, that there are going to be some, some scenarios where it's probably not, you just need to be safe and you need to feel safe and secure. That's your basic need right there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I agree with everything that you just said. And, you know, speak my own experience, um, Well, my parents divorced and I was curious about my behavior because I didn't want to be divorced. Mm -hmm. And not that my husband was saying to me, I'm going to leave you. But I could see he would just look at me like it was like this weird, you know, like you said, mirroring. Mm -hmm. He was like, I don't know what's going on with you. Where what I saw growing up was just yelling all the time. Mm -hmm. He didn't yell at me. He was just like, I don't I don't know what to do with this. And I was like, oh, well, he's the way he's reacting is very different than what I was used to growing up. So it got me curious about, okay, well, yeah. it is, I am, it's me, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm reacting this way. What can I do different? Or let yeah. me kick this around. And um, so it's, yeah, I mean. Yeah. I,
2: and that's what happens oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know, a best case scenario is what you just described. Yeah. You know, you have a partner that's very, you know, um, that's very affirming and validating right. and patient and is, is is, you know really wanting to support you Mm -hmm. as you go through this this you know journey together really Mm -hmm. and and, you know healing and and discovering more and more about yourselves Um, and and so ideally that's what kind of opens up you know this this safe place Mm -hmm. for you to kind of explore that a little bit and understand what's happening and unfortunately a lot of times that you know creates a dynamic where your partner is triggered in a way that's similar to you. And then that's when things right. kind of spiral out of control right. because now you're triggering each other right. back and forth and you can get really bad, you know, yeah. um, obviously worst case scenarios, like you said, it can become, you know, mm-hmm. physically violent and, you know, people can get really seriously hurt, but even if it doesn't rise to that level, you know, emotional abuse and just that, yeah. you know, constant, you know, um, emotional stress is very, very painful, um, for both partners. Right. And so that's typically when I would really, you know, um, strongly encourage folks to, to seek out
1: yeah. help. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's...
2: Because it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not meant to be together. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're really, like, completely incompatible. It's just some 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 things there yeah. underneath that you probably have never really looked at. And if you can really get together and work on it, it's, it's a, a super healing mm-hmm. relationship. And then that just creates... Attachment again, a much deeper, stronger attachment. Once you can kind of heal through it together. Mm
1: -hmm. So, is that how we solve all the problems? (laughs) (laughs) Emotionally focused therapy. Yeah, I
2: think it's a big. It's um, because I use this this um, phrase, which some folks may have heard before. A lot of times when we're fighting, we're reaching and arguing about the fruit and not the root.
1: Okay. So.
2: This is like what's in front of us, you know, the money, you know, we're, we're arguing about the money all the time, or we're arguing about the kids and different parenting styles, or we're arguing about the in-laws or the outlaws, sometimes they're <laughs> called, right? But it's not really the fruit, you know, that's the problem, but that's right before us, and that's what we kind of gravitate to. It's really the root that we have to get to. And a lot of times, oftentimes, the root is sort of these unresolved mm-hmm. attachment needs and issues, and you and your partner are missing each other yeah. because you have no clue. And a lot of times, your partner can't meet that emotional need in you because you haven't really fully become aware of what you need. Right. Um, a lot of times when you've you know, had perhaps you know, negative past relationships, or maybe you've been divorced, or you've maybe been hurt from childhood relationships, we kind of disown parts of ourselves. And begin to, in order to cope and survive, to sort of subconsciously say to yourself, I don't need that. Right. I don't need anyone to take yeah. care of me. I don't need anybody to be there. But, you know, we're kind of like staunchly independent. And, well, that's just, you know, that's not reality. Right. You know, we're all wired and connected. Yeah. Um, you know, to to, to connect with other people so um that's what happens a lot of times is that we get stuck because we just don't we don't know and so if we can slow things down and get into a safe therapeutic kind of situation and work it through with your partner it is amazing and so all of the things that you thought were the problems the money and the kids and the in-laws it's really not it's always about are you there for me do you have my back And I count on you. Do you put me first? That's really what every argument is about. So that's what I mean (laughs) by that. Yeah, yeah.
0: I love it. I love it. So then I guess in a sense, communication kind of plays into a part of that because everybody has different communication styles. And if you're trying to convey something, but they're interpreting it completely 180, like how do you work through that on top of like trying to figure out what the actual problem is? Because like you said, People fight about common things all the time, money and Mm -hmm. kids and work and life, but it might not be that. Like, how do you work through that, but also, I guess, your communication at the same time?
2: Sure, sure. Well, I am a firm believer, um, once again, that communication is a derivative or a direct, um, you know, sort of byproduct of your attachment. Mm -hmm. Um, So in other words, if your attachment is very insecure and it's very um, unstable and, you, you feel very, you know, vulnerable a lot and you don't feel safe with your partner. Your communication is going to reflect that, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not going to be very open. You're not going to feel very safe to be vulnerable and just transparent with your, you know, your needs and your thoughts. You're going to kind of be very, like, beat around the bush about mm-hmm. stuff. You're right. not going to go directly to what you really need from your partner.
1: Because you know? maybe your history, mm-hmm. when you were a child, you were somehow told your needs weren't. Were important. Your yeah. feelings weren't important. So you grow up with that, and then you take it into adulthood. Absolutely. I just want to. I just wanted to point that out. Mm-hmm. Perfect that's point. The Perfect magic point. of family therapy. Absolutely. That's yeah. <laughs> so, magic.
2: so you come in yeah. with sort of we call them schemas or or you know automatic negative thoughts. That's that's sort of what you these um, internal um, you know um, rules mm-hmm. for relationships, and you're not even aware that that's what you got from a kid that, you know, what you really need or what you think isn't important, you know? And so you just don't do it with your partner. And so they don't understand how to help, mm-hmm. you know, they don't, they don't really know what's going on for you. Um, so, so a lot of times it's, it's really about slowing the process down and really trying to understand in the moment mm-hmm. what's going on. And again, I, I use the word curiosity because if you're having, like I had a couple the other day, and they literally had this huge explosive fight about her handing him a glass of water. Mm. It was really, and so they literally, for the first half an hour of the session, kept talking about the water, and it, I was I that's not really what it's <laughs> about, you know. Um, it's, it's really about something much deeper, and it really turned out to be, you know, more of, you know, the, the wife feeling like, hey, I serve you, you know, Wait on you hand and foot, and I try to always be there for you and support you. And I know you had a long day at work. I work too, and like you couldn't just freaking reach your hand out and grab right. a glass of water. It wasn't about the water. It was about I'm just not enough. Right. No matter what I do, it, it's not enough for you. And he's like where this come from? You know, my hands was, I was eating and I had stuff all over my yeah. hands. I just wanted you to put it down in front of me, you know? And so that that's how you can get stuck, yeah. you know? But for her, there was a lot of past, you know, hurt and a lot of past abuse and things of that nature. And he also, you know, um, had, you know, a lot of uh, pain and trauma and hurt. And so his go-to is to pull back when something just flares up and he's like, whoa, what mm-hmm. just happened? And he has no clue so to manage his own emotions so he doesn't react and make it worse, he's learned to pull back right. and withdraw. Right. And so we can talk a lot yeah, about the pursuer yeah. and the withdrawer <laughs> and attachment styles, but that's how he's learned to try to stay safe in a relationship. And so we just had to really work through and slow down. And when they once they were able to accept that it wasn't about the water, you know, it's not about that. It's about what was going on. That attachment need was for you to just communicate that I really care about you mm-hmm. thank you you're nurturing you're taking care of me I'm enough right. was the message that she needed right and who doesn't we all have yeah have that that very basic yeah. need so does it, I hope that answered the question <laughs> you
0: know, I could Yay. talk
2: about it forever <laughs> but that was just an example
0: um so how what are the ways or things that you can do to let those things go yeah like so that you can move forward and those things won't trigger you. Sure. At some point, hopefully, <laughs> they don't yeah. trigger you anymore.
2: Yeah. I think one of the things is, first of all, just give yourself grace. And, and you know, I know we know, all know this, right, that we're not perfect. But a lot of times, depending on how, you know, we were raised, we had to be perfect, right? We had to always be just so or there was perhaps some negative consequences for that. You know, I'm not necessarily talking about physical abuse, but, you know, maybe neglect or, you know, rejection or just very invalidating kind of environment. There's lots of reasons why, you know, we kind of um, don't always feel comfortable within our own skin. So I think just being curious and giving yourself, you know, grace and being gentle with yourself and understanding that, once again, Psychology 101, all behavior has a meaning, a reason. It's usually functional in some way, right? Um, however, sometimes some of the things that you used in other environments and other relationships may have served you well, and your relationship with your partner uh, may actually not serve you well and, and create problems. So I think the first thing is just really being you know, gentle with yourself, being curious. And, and when you find yourself just really keep getting stuck, get help. There's no shame in saying, hey, I really want to work through this. This is something that, yeah. you know, either my, my spouse keeps bringing up or something I kind of am aware of myself, mm-hmm. in myself, and I don't know why I do this, but I'm curious about it. Can you help? So,
1: yeah. I agree. What <laughs> do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just, yeah. I think, you know, now that I've been married 15 years, mm-hmm. um, and I know you've been married Yeah. for uh, yeah, 13 years, 13 years. Yeah. It's it's like in the beginning it was so intense and it was so like in your face Mm -hmm. but now we both love each other we both respect each other and we want the best for each other so we work through it and so when you have that that safe attachment with your spouse you you can do anything Mm -hmm. you know um so if you find that i say this because if it like reese was saying get get some counseling Mm -hmm. you know this isn't uh so much like if it's Mm -hmm. causing you uh, to, to feel anxious, to feel worried, not good enough, depressed, um, all those things, and it's getting in the way of daily life, then get some, get some help. You know, that's what, and that is such, it's such a cool thing to do for yourself is to be curious about yourself and want to learn about yourself. Um, and, and I, I just think it's such a neat process Mm -hmm. that, um, everyone can benefit from it, you know? So, I don't have any other answer about the communication or the letting go except be curious about yourself yeah, and, and, and just.
2: Yeah, and when mm-hmm. you start to do the work and you understand a lot of where it comes from mm-hmm. and you're yeah. able to process it, we use that term a lot. Process process it and really allow yourself to sit with those experiences because mm-hmm. a lot of times we block a lot of that yeah, out
1: because it doesn't feel good
2: yes and we move away from it but mm-hmm. if you can start to really allow yourself to think about those yeah. childhood things or past relationships and really process it mm-hmm. with a good clinician then you can let it go yeah um, but it's hard to do so until you actually are yeah. evil. And so that old saying you cannot heal what you won't reveal yeah. right so you have to talk through it in a <laughs> I safe like that. place yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: that's good Oh, I got a million that? of them. No. <laughs> Reese bomber. <Palmer. Yeah. laughs> so, I kind of want to go into the military side of it. Sure. I mean, we go through a lot of stuff. Traditional day soldiers they wear multiple hats with full time jobs, family, school, the being in the guard, and then even full time staff. I mean, you're still full time Monday through Friday, but you still have your drill obligations. And then there's deployments and schools and stuff. How? How can um, soldiers and airmen use these tools or help them go through the situations that they have to deal with? Because, I mean, there's a lot of separation with that. And, um, yeah, feeling safe within the relationship and that kind of thing and being able to communicate um, properly and not lashing out. And, like, how, how can... Military personnel use this towards their relationships, and maybe, and not even just relationships, but maybe with their kids, family members, and stuff like that. Because we do go through so much with what we do on a day-to-day basis.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a very, it's a similar thing. It's just the you have probably a little bit more stress going on in your life because you wear all these different hats, and you are dealing with possible deployment, or you're dealing with the school or training coming up. So there's a lot more. Uh, possibly um, the spouse or partner left behind has to, you know. Mm -hmm. So what I always suggest, especially when it's a young couple and he or she is new to being a military spouse, have a conversation about what your hopes are for, you know, while he's in the military, while she's in the military, what are you hoping is going to be the case for your your marriage? Um, We've seen some soldiers that come in for their contract and then they're they're done. But then we see a lot of folks who are here for 20 years. Mm-hmm. They just, they have to make it work. So, um, I mean, there's lots of different ways, I guess, that you could look at it. E- each couple is going to be unique and different with their, their histories because mm-hmm. they each come as individuals with histories and, you know, stuff in the closet and then they get married and they're <laughs> in the military and then add on the stressor of being in the military. Um, so I think it's important that if, if this is coming up, then reach out and, you know, reach out to me. Or, uh, I, and if, if I'm not the best suited uh, therapist or counselor, then we have lots of resources that we can point you in the right direction. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I've encountered over the years that would be um, a little bit different. I would say uh, you need a good support system, especially military families. You know, you need a good community around you 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 know um you can't do this in a silo if you're especially if you're dealing with like a deployment coming up you know use the resources that we have here at the guard um some people because of their you know I'm pointing to Reese but because of their past their past they don't feel comfortable reaching out for support because when they tried it it didn't it backfired on them Mm -hmm. but you're in a completely different environment a completely different you know uh community now and we do want to see our our Uh, service members and their families thrive and grow through their time in the military um so it's going to be a shift for some people to reach out and ask for help but it's not um you know i I say if you you don't feel comfortable reaching out to us there's always going to be the chaplains Mm -hmm. that we have um military one source is always a good resource um i'm trying to think do you have anything that you maybe encounter
2: yes um ironically I, i i work with a lot of um servicemen and women and um one couple comes to mind that I've been working with for a while he actually just went on a deployment Mm -hmm. he's an airman and um it was pretty um difficult for them to process because they just had their first child Mm -hmm. um right at his first deployment about 16 months ago and so you know the child's almost two years now and he's walking and talking and so he's thinking Oh my gosh, I'm going to miss all of these milestones again, because literally his wife had the baby. The baby was maybe two months old, and he was, he went to Korea. Mm-hmm. And so that was really, really difficult, yeah. for, for them as a young couple, young married couple, their first child together. She's back home now, you know, new mom, um, dealing with postpartum, you know, and, he, and he's thousands of miles, thousands of miles away in Korea. And he just felt really, really helpless and, you know, not yeah. being able to be there for his wife, not being there for his, his his newborn son. And so a lot of it, again, is just being able to talk about it and, and, and to really process what that, that experience was like, because they were bringing that original deployment experience into the next, the next one. one. And they were really, really fearful. Mm-hmm. And so he had kind of Convinced himself, oh, I'm not going to go. Someone else in my unit is going to get go, and, and we're, we're going to be fine. And so, it was sort of denial was oh, the way yeah. they were managing it for a while. But then it became very clear that he was going to go, and so we just we talked about it, we dealt with it, you know. And so, I actually helped them to talk about the first deployment and what that was like for him, and like really vivid detail, like let's let's put it out there. Let's, you know, um, it's kind of like exposure therapy, right? We just really take the bite and the sting out of it, what's your worst fear, you know, and walk through it. And his biggest fear was for his wife, you know, this is so much for her to take care of, you know, um, she's a trooper, she's a strong lady and she was able to work through it. But, um, a lot of what he was doing was just sort of kind of playing it through in his own mind. I'm trying to kind of deal with, you know, the reality of he's going, but he wasn't speaking to his wife about it. And so, the, like, the last conversation that they had in depth was it was looking more like he wasn't going to go. But he was getting subsequent briefs that were saying, you are going to go. And he had not been talking to his wife about wow. it because he was trying to kind of, like, process it and manage it and kind of come to terms with it. Yeah. So she had no clue that mm-hmm. it changed. And so when they finally came to that session, we were really able to walk through that it wasn't intentional that he was just so upset, he was trying to deal with it like us guys do, right? We try to internalize it and deal with it and and protect, and 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 unfortunately, she 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 said, "I wish you would have just told me, so we can work through this together." You know, it's it's yeah. you know, I, I knew that there was still a chance, you know, but if you had told me, we could have been talking about it this whole time and planning and you know how we're going to manage it this time and you know cause now there's a dog, you know, there was, because <laughs> you know, but it, she just. And she was spot on. And she was just like, we're going to be okay. And so we we walked through that first experience. And when he touched down and he was in that, you know, he was in a hotel room initially and what that felt like for him being away from his family. And um, they really had a wonderful session just talking about how, you know, they got through it the first time. And they're going to get through it again. And everything's going to be okay, you know. So it's a lot of it is just about, you know, talking about what's going on and instead of keeping it locked inside and, and suppressing that feeling so it doesn't work when it's just you and it really doesn't work when you're in a relationship because you know um the the, the one of the the beauties of being in a relationship is someone else to carry that burden with you right. you know and he didn't yeah. want to yeah. you know yeah. put that on her so you know and it sort of had the the opposite effect. Yeah. She was like, gosh, just tell yeah. me. We can fix this together. And we I, can work through it.
1: And yeah. I think it's so important that they, the soldiers and their, I mean, the families talk about these yeah. things. You know, it's really important to, sure. ha- to have the conversation about what's going on and, you know, the communication mm. you're getting from your leadership and what's next. And um, they're your partner, you know. Yeah. they're So it's important to keep, keep them in the loop as to what's happening. Yeah. Um, and so you can keep tabs on each other it's a different beast being in the military, mm-hmm. you know, completely different. And, you know, the many years I've been here, I think about the families that um, I've worked with and, you know, it's they'll say something very similar. Like when we, he first got in, it was like this. And now we've been in 15 years and look what we've, we've done it. We've, it was hard, but we got through it and, you know, we've, we've struggled, but here we are, we're, we're committed to, you know, uh, making this, yeah. this marriage work. So did I, did we answer that question? Okay. I would (laughs) say one other
2: quick thing that I have found to be really, really helpful for military families, especially for the couples, for that marriage is the ones that really do well, Mm -hmm. um, have a very consistent routine that they do to stay connected. Right. Um, so they're very, very consistent with that. And so when they're together you know, and, and, and they're not, you know, living separately through a deployment, they really, really like fiercely protect their couple time, yeah. right? They really make the most of that time and it really strengthens that bond so that when they're away, that connection is still so strong and it helps them to kind of get through the deployment. So they really focus on their together time yeah. when they're home and then they have a very regular routine when they're Way of communicating and, you know, FaceTiming or however they can stay connected to one another. And so I think that's huge that they really, um, whatever that looks like for, you know, the military couple, you've got to yeah. make that like a first priority. Everything else, even the kids, you know, find some, someone that can babysit or the grandparents, mm-hmm. but really solidify that connection with your spouse yeah. so that will carry you through. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I like yeah. that. Awesome. Well, we are getting a little short on time, but is there anything else that you guys would like to add before we close out? And definitely we can always continue to talk about this um, in other podcasts. But closing out, is there anything that either of you guys would like to mention that maybe we haven't talked about yet? Do you have anything?
2: I I would just say, you know, I always when I have an opportunity to talk about mental health and relationships and families, you know, it's such, you know, it's such a sweet life when we can focus on what's good and, you know, really deal with those things that may be keeping us from really living a a truly fulfilling and abundant life. And I I would just encourage people do not let stigma or fear or, you know, even maybe messages you got from your family about mental health, take care of yourself, you know, you know, just like if, you've you've got a physical or a medical health problem most of us you know if it gets serious enough we'll seek out a doctor or some type of care take care of your emotions and take care of your mind as well and there's nothing wrong about that it doesn't make you a weak person so I really strongly encourage folks and I'm always want to be you know a proponent of stamping out that stigma that's still there unfortunately for a lot of people around mental health so
0: yep yeah thank you Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we really appreciate y'all coming in. Thank you. And again, hopefully we can have y'all come talk about some more topics, whether it's marriage or communication or all that fun stuff. Um, But if you guys are watching this uh, or listening, we are on YouTube and iTunes, so check us out on there. Um, If you like this video, make sure you give it a big thumbs up. If you haven't subscribed to our channel, make sure you hit the subscribe button, and we will catch you guys in the next episode.